one thing I told them, I was like, you, you, the names that they listed as legends were people that have all moved on to glory. Yeah. And I said, we're sitting in a room full of legends. It's just, there's who's going to be here to tell your story. In my work as a pastor and pioneer of new things, I get to work with, coach, and learn from others, tilling soil, planting seeds, and praying for rain as we dig in and engage our communities for the mission of God. Join me as we share stories from the field in the Common Ground Podcast. You're listening to the Common Ground Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Jalad, and I'm excited to introduce you to my friend, Jacob Burson, who is here to share uh, his story in regards to Fresh Expressions. Um, Jacob, why don't you share a little bit about your context, uh, where you are, and kind of how you got to be a part of the Fresh Expressions movement? Sure, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Um, looking forward to our conversation today. So I'm a, I'm a freshly licensed local pastor here in the in the Bartow County um, between Chattanooga and Atlanta if anybody knows we're uh, on the, if you're on the way to Chattanooga you'll come through us over here in Cartersville and Emerson um, just finished up this year I a little over two years ago left the corporate world to kind of pursue this crazy call I, I work for an organization called live 2540 um, we do mission work in Liberia West Africa we've been there for about 10 years uh, I'm the growth director here and <clears throat> Got into the local pastor. I kind of grew up Methodist my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, left for the military, came back home, helped uh, help plant a church over in Gwinnett County called The Way. And then we moved to Cartersville, Georgia, and kind of helped start another modern Methodist church called Church at the Well as a lay leader that entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're a parachute drop brand new church in a community, you have to get really creative on how you connect to that community when all of your people who are on the leadership team of that church are new to that community too. Yeah. Um, so I kind of learned some things, kind of learned the ropes along the way and kind of had people pouring into me as a, as a lay leader who was already rough around the edges when Andy <laughs> Postel, my pastor said, Hey, I want you like to be my lay leader. And I said, I don't think you realize what you're getting yourself yeah, into. That's a little too domesticated for me. <laughs> it just didn't, you know, I just, it didn't didn't fit for me, and he said mm-hmm. that's exactly why I'd like for you to be a part of it. So I was like, awesome. okay, well. <laughs> so going through kind of all of that, um, getting to know pastors along the way, and realize that they're pretty normal people, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so yeah. didn't quite feel so out of place when I was in some of those gatherings. Um, got exposed to the fresh expressions. Uh, so I've been pastoring local pastor of the small church for. A little over a year now in Emerson, um, which is a very rural, a, a, a more or less rural suburb of a suburb, I guess you could call it. We are a <laughs> suburb of Cartersville. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so my my venture into the Fresh Expression side was that's a great thought of how in the world did I find out? I think I I think I first heard about it probably through some kind of conference email. Mm-hmm. And then when I started reading some details about it, the Fresh Expressions movement was very similar to the church planning yeah. structure. Yeah. Um, the only difference in the Fresh Expressions piece that I've experienced so far is when you're planning a new church, you have the, you're connecting to your community in very unique and creative ways, but you have the, we're bringing them to a Sunday gathering. Yeah. The fresh expressions thing and what I what I resonated with it I resonated with that piece with the creative ways to connect to people in the community um, where they are going to where people are mm-hmm. but that is where the fresh expression takes place is there right you don't necessarily have the goal of reeling them back in um, to the building to the to the mothership 
Yeah, so the mothership. And I would say another big differentiating factor is the amount of uh, financial investment with church yes. planting um, in our traditional models versus the Fresh Expressions uh, micro church planting movement, I guess you could call it. Yeah, that was the other thing. Coming from two different types of church plants over uh, 15 years, mm-hmm. that was what was that's, that's one of the, the one of your hurdles on that side is the financial. Yeah. burden that is required because you have to purchase gear, technology gear. I mean, you're looking at a hundred thousand dollars worth of mm-hmm. gear and, and you've got to set up and tear down that stuff every single week. Right. And the fresh expressions thing, what I was so drawn to it was after being in that circle twice, the fresh expressions thing is l- less production, mm-hmm. freeing you up for more engagement. Yeah. My experience mm-hmm. with the community that you're in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I just kind of, now that I'm, we started a dinner church Great timing right before COVID. <laughs> um, it was very successful. We had more people at dinner church than we do at a typical Sunday at yeah. our small church. Yeah, so good. Um, but we've been doing fresh expressions in the church plant world. We just didn't call it that because yeah. we kind of had a, a reel them in to the Sunday thing um, mm-hmm. methods. But well, I- Share a little bit about like where the whole dinner church idea came from and kind of what what was the what were some of the kind of precipitating events to, you know, that the Holy Spirit just making those connections for you and and our initial conversation about starting a dinner church there. Yeah, it had to be the dinner church idea must have come from something you provided early. Mm -hmm. But with the context of the church that I was at, the small country church that I'm still at, they had in their DNA to do a monthly dinner together on church property for Mm -hmm. years. They had not been doing it for years because their attendance had been down to single digits. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was a natural, that hospitality was something they had been historically used to. So we started that seven week video based series for our Sunday school class Mm -hmm. um, with the Emerson church originals. But I kind of felt like while we were watching it, it was something that for them was like, well, yeah, we know how to serve dinner and have a good time with people and connect mm-hmm. to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of gave another voice other than my voice saying, hey, let's try this out to connect to our community. It yeah, gave another good. voice to say, hey, here's here's the historicity. Is that a word? Historicity. Yes, it is a word. <laughs> so here's the historicity of, historicity of just the, the church of Methodism and how all of that connects. And it wasn't oh. just coming for me. Yeah, so that's good. Um, yeah. But something that was also specific to your context is you had this little, so you have the parsonage that is not inhabited by you and your family at this point that had been used in a kind of a creative way that that also kind of some things the church was already doing, right? One of them was that they had this understanding of hospitality and they love to, to get together and eat and invite others into that. Um, although they not been able to do that for a while, there were some other things that the church was doing. And I think this is really important for people to hear, that there are things that your church is doing already or that is uniquely gifted to do or perhaps has even done in the past that, you know, God is asking all of us, you know, what's in your hand and how can it be used for building up my kingdom, right? And um, and so there are some things that the church was already doing that really kind of informed the direction that this took as well. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Right. So when we, right before we started the dinner church study, when I first got there, the very first thing that I did at Emerson is we did an anthropologist worksheet where it had five blocks on it, I believe, that was um, 
what what are some what are some legends in this church? Who are some legends in this church? So it had them name people from the past of the church. If you were to say who are the key leaders from your history at this church, and then one of the blocks was what are some sayings or mottos of this mm-hmm. church, and um, what are some if big moments of the church. And the purpose of that was if, if there was a human alien to come down who had no context of church, but they were to spend a year in our church, who would they say we talk about the most, mm. what we do and what are our motto? So it let us look at the history of our church, that particular church um, to give a context that every story we were telling were stories that were 20, 30, yeah. 50 years ago. Yeah. And, one thing I told them, I was like, you, you, the names that they listed as legends were people that have all moved on to glory. Yeah. And I said, we're sitting in a room full of legends. It's just, there's who's going to be here to tell your story. Mm. So we, we started coming up with ideas of how we connect to the community because the church, luckily we are smack dab in the middle of an old neighborhood. Um, we have no parking. So that's a negative. The positive is we're in the middle of a neighborhood. Yeah. So we have a parsonage, which is, uh, no power and no water to it currently. So it's kind of a really nice shed at the moment. Um, has a front porch on it. So their idea was, let's put a little food pantry on the front porch of the parsonage. So we put a little free porch pantry is what we call it on the front porch of the parsonage. Um, Say that 10 times fast, front porch of the parsonage. Yeah, yeah front porch of the parsonage. <laughs> little free porch parsonage pantry. And... um this is, you know, God timing, Holy Spirit, however you want to look at it. Within 12 hours of me posting that on Facebook, I took a picture of our little pantry saying, hey, if you know anybody in this community, we've got free food. If you want to come stock it, the pantry is open, come stock it. Um, I got a call from a, a, a fully functional food pantry here in Cartersville who said they've been looking to expand to South Bartow, which is mm. where Emerson is. So that immediately we built a partnership with them and they now drive their food truck. They have a mobile food truck every third Saturday, which for us is coming up this Saturday. They drive the Red Door Food Pantry from the Episcopal Church. They drive their food truck down there. They give me um, several cases full of food. Mm -hmm. So Saturday mornings from 9 to 12, we give out free food from the Red Door Food Pantry. And that has now led to Sam Jones UMC, which is here in Cartersville. They have a food truck. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be cooking some meals and, to, and providing free lunch. So that little porch pantry is now expanded to this kind of wow. collaboration with one, two, four different churches. So That's wonderful. So, I mean, the, the collaborative effort and kind of combining resources and really expanding the reach of, of the churches and the, um, and the organizations in the community to, to reach the community and to, uh, to serve and love the community. Um, so what, what do you, I guess, um, if you, if you have any good stories about um, one of the stories that I really appreciate is kind of some new relationships, even during COVID that have expanded during this time, um, that I would love for you to share about uh, and and people that are already doing some amazing things in your community that you've been able to kind of partner with and um, and support one another. Why don't you share a little bit about that? Yeah, so our, our growing partnership with the folks at the Red Door um, during, as when COVID initially kicked off, the Red Door Food Pantry combined with a couple of the organizations and um the Wheel Toy organization, they do a lot of food preparation and food distribution um, for meals down in Atlanta, but they're here locally in Bartow County as well. 
they put together this initiative with the Presbyterian church in town to give away free food mm-hmm. seven days a week, free, free hot meals. So we were able to kind of help, help out with that. That expanded down to Emerson where we are. So that relationship, that collaboration and partnership, mm-hmm. now we're delivering meals literally in the community all around the church. So another organization is giving us a spreadsheet mm-hmm. of all these names and addresses and phone numbers and email addresses. And we're delivering two, five, seven meals to these homes in the direct community that we're in. People wow. that we get to knock on the door, leave the food on the porch mm-hmm. and then tell them, Hey, this Saturday, every third Saturday, come over to Emerson. We've got a food a food pantry giveaway mm-hmm. every third Saturday. Just being able to connect to the community um, has been extremely, I mean, it's just been invaluable um, right. to build it. And, and, and your OGs, as you call them there at Emerson, I love that. Um, they, I mean, I don't know how many of them still live in proximity to the church, but I know a lot of our... Um, our older churches have folks that at one time maybe lived in the community and that and no longer necessarily you know live in close proximity, but maybe drive in um, because of their connection with the church. I think we walk knocking on doors, prayer walking in communities, and being uh, faithfully present in those embodied ways, those incarnational ways, can help us see things that um, we you know can miss. Yeah. Uh, uh, on a daily basis, or or just coming to the church on a on a Sunday, and um, and I I certainly think can help us understand our our communities um, better as well. Uh, one of the things that um, that I've been asking folks uh, in the podcast is really kind of where you're finding common ground, because we talk about this whole idea of common ground in a world that um, seems to be looking for a lot more arguments than agreements. Mm. Um, <laughs> And and the the common ground that really um, that God has provided for us in you know the all of creation is God's and and we are God's creation as well and that the the spirit of God is uh, has been set loose uh, in the world and as Wesleyans we you know we recognize the provenient grace of God that's at work in everyone's lives um, whether they perceive it or not. Um, so, you know, different people in a COVID world are finding common ground in maybe some um, different places than they did in a pre-COVID world. I'm curious where that common ground might be for you right now. Yeah, so I think everybody's dealing with that COVID hurdle of in-person community is extremely limited right now. But we found that it's no coincidence that common ground is still found around food. Yeah, um, so good. Even with our with our food pantry I mean, I people, the way we've pivoted during the season for the food pantry is people just drive through. We have two tents set up. They pull up. We get there. We write down their name and number of their information for the um, for the documents. And then we put the food on the table and they, they, they get out of the car and they get the, their two bags of food and they move on. But even in that, now the people, were, as we get regulars that have come through, you know, they pull up a little ways mm-hmm. and they don't go home. You know, they mm-hmm. pull up a little bit and we're able to talk. Um, all for prayer. Um, this week we're gonna. This week we're gonna try out handing out some kind of a Jesus story devotional. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm kind of one of those guys that struggles with checking off the box of connecting yeah. with someone by handing them a devotional. Right. I would rather know their name first. Amen. Than um, than provide. Yeah, know their name and provide them with prayer. Than feel like good about myself about handing them yeah 
a Jesus story, which is, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but um, we're getting to know people's names, um, getting to know people's stories. And it's, and, you know, it's micro. We're, we're a, we're, we were a church before COVID. We were only running, you know, 38 people a Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're still a small church, but we're very missionally nimble mm-hmm. uh, in our little community to connect to the folks. And it's been that common ground still been around food and food distribution and dropping off meals at people's homes. That's beautiful. I, I, I mean, I really, I just want to um, applaud your um, value on the relationship and how, how significant that is um, in the middle of teaching a, um, an evangelism, a practical evangelism uh, for the 21st century course. And um, we've been talking a lot about some of our older models of evangelism and uh, faith sharing and how many of them um, served us well for a period of time that was still a Christendom uh, world or mindset um, where, you know, the Judeo-Christian framework of our lives was just really predominant in in so many— uh, sectors of society, but that is no longer the case. And so, you know, um, <clears throat> even to talk about Jesus to some people, they've never heard of Jesus before. And I, and I know that that's, <laughs> that is, that is really hard for church people to grasp. Um, how could you never have heard of Jesus? Um, I would say, or even more, so, even more, um, people have heard of Jesus, but have really messed up ideas about who Jesus is, or that Jesus was even a um, uh, a person that lived on the planet. That um, you know, and rather than being a, a fairy tale, um, and you know, the reality of the situation is that you know we live in a world that is um, has dramatically changed, particularly in Western culture has dramatically changed where, um, you know, pluralism and globalization and um, secular society and technology and all of these things have reshaped our understanding, um, our paradigms in ways that, um, you know, I think that we could keep our head in the sand and and not recognize or we could, you know, wake up and um, understand that this is the third largest mission field on the planet now. And so we need to begin to understand the, the the people, just like a missionary in another country, that Jesus has uh, called and sent us to. Uh, and they don't speak the same language we do in the church. There, you know, it it is more. There's more and more of a, a of a divide there in understanding um, what some of us call Christian ease and and just really the framework, the paradigms that we operate out of. So I, I've, I very much appreciate what you've said about uh, relationship because <clears throat> that is the seedbed for trust um, and connection and uh, for faith to, to, to begin to be shared in a way that really makes a difference um, and not just a convert which <laughs> or a checkbox, right? Right. Um, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Well, I think I, think I got it summarized in Jacob's message translation on my board back here from John 10, three of my guess is John 10 somewhere. He calls his sheep by name mm. um, that if we're going to be like Jesus, we probably should start knowing the folks names who are in that kind of community that's around so us. Good. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of a, a shift is I'm one of the worst as of a guy calling people buddy and dude. What's up, man? <laughs> you know, it takes, it takes a different gear um, in a conversation to know someone's name, to show that you yeah. really care about them. Yeah. 
to feel known. I think I think that's that's one thing that you know um, we're actually about to start our own drive-through dinner church, which I frankly never would have done before because of the what I feel like is a disconnect from the potential for relationship and conversation and connection, right? Um, but the reality is that, you know, there are hungry people, you know, even more so because of the COVID situation and loss of jobs and income and, and stability financially. Um, but there's a sense of just longing for connection as well. You know, so many people that are are feeling more and more isolated. Uh, and so, you know, just what what does that look like to do? Uh, drive through, pick up your meal, and then and still be able to connect with people in a meaningful way. And um, so you've, I think you've given us some some good things to think about in that regard. And um, beyond just handing people something. Well, and that's it. You'll see those people again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. and one of the other as- one of the other aspects of it is it's just like fitness, working out, anything. It's getting the repetitions in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and not using this season as an excuse to not an excuse, but not using the season as a reason. Well, we can't do that. So this is now on hold for a little while. Just adjust it, drive through, get the reps in of the team, get together to, to, to gather and know we're not sitting down and eating at tables, but we're still, the delivery method has just changed. We're mm-hmm. still getting together as a, as a core team. And I think that's super valuable that y'all are doing that. Yeah, no, I, thanks. I I think that that you know there's something there is something significant about just looking into another another person's face, <laughs> yes. another person's eyes, and and having the opportunity to to connect um to connect like that. Um, so I I'm curious what um you know if you had a vision for uh Emerson where you're serving um right now. I know you're serving in two different churches. Along with your your um, your other your your fully paying gig, <laughs> um, <clears throat> what does what does the other side of COVID, or do you have um, kind of ideas about what the other side of COVID looks like? Gosh, um, this is open season for ideas of what it looks like on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, and I did mention the the uh, I am. I lead the contemporary service at Trinity at the Well UMC over in Cartersville. So I'm kind of serving an associate role there. But part of that role is connecting uh, the church to mission outside the walls of the church. And it's just been easy to do during this season. Mm. So, and it's something that I think we've talked about in the past is for people that are wired kind of the way that I'm wired as a, as a pioneer being on the, the outside and pushing the, this season has provided, we, it's like we've been at recess Mm-hmm. We've been mm-hmm. playing and having a good, good time and trying all kinds of new things and making up new games. And when you say the other side of COVID, it's like we've been, I've been pulled back into sit at history class and my desk is right beside the window and I still see resets out there. <laughs> um, so, but we're still not really out of that COVID yeah. impact yet. We're still kind of feeling, not kind of, yeah. absolutely feeling that. So this feels almost like a, um, it's still in a, a big unknown yeah. of what exactly does it look like on the other side. And in some ways, I think we, <clears throat> maybe it's because it's the known, I think we've hurried up to get back to the Sunday thing. Yeah. That we're just really waiting for the Sunday thing to get back to normal. Yeah. Um, and I just don't know if uh, how how beneficial that is. Yeah. If that thing is not even going to be back to, if it's got a new reality to it for the next several years because it's just yes. you know what does the post covid 
current church that I'm at look like? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I appreciate the fact that you're even unwilling and you're reluctant to go there. Um, so, uh, so, so, because so, your context is so, our context are all so critical to that yeah. kind of idea. We're a tiny church. Mm-hmm. So right now with distancing, we can really only have about 16 people in the sanctuary right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And that's still kind of pushing it. So I can't really go out and talk much about us being open for worship because yeah. if I promote it on Facebook, then somebody may go, hey, let's go visit. And I'm like, well, we don't have any room for you. <laughs> right. So we're not talking a lot about being open. Yeah. As a small church, we can't afford the cleaning supplies to, yeah. to create two services on a Sunday. And so I just don't know mm-hmm. what the other side of COVID actually looks like quite yet. Um, to, your, to your point, I think, you know, I, I think that, as a result of the pandemic, we've all had to think differently about uh, what it means to be the church, um, what it means to uh, not only be a gathered people, but a sent people. I think we've had to adapt to new ways of of worshiping together and connecting with each other and learning together, uh, you know. And so I've, you know, I've had conversations with some pastors that are like, I can't ask my people to do one more thing because everything has changed. I'm like, that's exactly why you should ask them to do one more thing or, or consider doing one more new thing. Every other aspect of their life. I don't, you know, and, and I think that it's very telling about how we think of the church in general, right? I mean, I know that uh, people in across the generations have experienced a world that has changed dramatically around them. And yet... They want their church to say exactly the same, right? So I think it's just really interesting. But in a time where we've all had to to experiment and try different things and be creative, um, I think why not why not consider um, you know kind of pressing into that and leaning into that and 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 seeing where you can get some traction uh, because in all reality, I, I I think this will forever change. This has accelerated. The decline in um, in our single model of doing church um, uh, in a in a in a fashion much much more quickly than it was already declining. Uh, it, this is not something new. It's just accelerated it. Yes. Yeah. And everybody's out of the habit. A lot of people are out of the habit of of going to to church. And then I know a lot of churches that have reopened. Um, you know, there is a a small percentage of the people that have actually returned. And, and understandably, I mean, there's some people that are just not going to feel comfortable whatever um, safety precautions you're taking to to return to a larger gathering um, you know, outside of uh, a vaccine. But um, there there is really something to this whole idea of desperation being the seedbed of innovation. And <laughs> it, it, you know, when you're willing to do whatever it takes to be the church, right? And uh, all of the fullness of that word, then um, then you're open to being creative. But yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the you know, in this it's this season has exposed not just the weaknesses in the church, but every organization mm-hmm. has now had their weaknesses put on blast from yeah. the educational system to professional sports. Um, all of those gatherings are now in. It's just I'm trying to put my mind in a place of is anyone going to go to is it still called Phillips Arena? <laughs> yes, I think so. 
At least I didn't call it the Omni. <laughs> Nobody's going to go to the Omni right now. Uh-huh. <clears throat> or how many people are going to go to the, the Phillips Arena right now for yeah. a 20,000-person concert? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even if the green light is given, mm-hmm. um, short of it being like Leonard Skinner or something. <laughs> I mean, who's not going to go to that? But I'm just, even if there's a lorry and everybody, you can go back to the way things were. Right. There's going to be a reluctance. Um, yeah. I just... I just don't know what that answer is of what does it look like on the other side. I just can't think of it being anything other than multiple things happening outside the walls of the church. Mm-hmm. Your core folks, like your your core people who have not come back yet, who yeah. core servants love Jesus. Mm-hmm. You have people who have the gifting to do something out there. You've got to go to them, to go to the places. Yeah. Um, I just kind of have a feeling that that's where it's going to be. It's going to be outside the walls. And uh, the, the the groups who wrap their arms around that and go, yeah, let's go get it, are going to be the ones to survive it. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. I, I, was, um, I, I was in a conversation this morning where we were talking about resiliency and, you know, our our model, our way of doing and being the church has been very much um, confined to a particular location on a particular day at a particular time. Um, and therefore, uh, you know, we, we've kind of had this apostolic amnesia as to what it, it really means to be the church in the world, not only the gathered people of God, but the sent people of, of God. And, um, and just the, the ability to recapture and to remember who we are in that regard and the possibility and uh, for for a diversity of expressions of church that if one possibility is removed that you have just a diversity of other possibilities um, of other ways of being the church that are already there and have already been um, experienced and embraced and you know that that with diversity comes great resiliency um, and and having a lot of different ways of thinking about being being the church. So um, what are you reading right now? I'm curious. Are you reading anything um, uh, that that might uh, pique people's interest or listening to? I know you have your own podcast too, so you can certainly um, share about that as well. Yeah, reading. Um, I'm kind of late to this book, but um, Tablet to Table uh-huh. by Leonard Sweet, which is kind of was before, not before, because the dinner church has been around for a long time, but it was, it really talks about that community around the table um, approach. It's a short book. I am the world's worst at finishing books because <laughs> I will read three paragraphs and I will sit and, 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 uh, crock pot mm-hmm. <laughs> on just a little bit of information mm. and it takes me forever to finish. Um, so I'm reading that one. There's another book called Sacrilege by Hugh Halter. Um, mm who I'm, I'm reading. And then um, I'm taking the church through a series right now called Godspeed. And it's a series that I've led in two different, three different Zoom small group-ish gatherings mm-hmm. online that I'm actually t- turned into a sermon series for the past couple of weeks. It's about an eight-week series that is about an Anglican pastor from Washington State who went over to Scotland and learned this pace of life. Things were much slower, connecting mm-hmm. to your community, knowing people's names, mm-hmm. The ingredients that we overlook are usually the ingredients that God is using to really connect us to our community and truly connect us to the kind of life that Jesus lived. Yeah. Um, so that's my other one. It's uh, Godspeed is the series, but the book is a devotional called 40 Day Backyard Pilgrim. 
That's so good. That's that sounds like a Hugh Halter book, though. <laughs> I know you just mentioned the Hugh Halter book, but that's not what 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 was the one that he wrote, Barefoot Kingdom or something? No, I can't that was remember. Brandon Hatmaker. Oh, that was Hatmaker. Barefoot, yeah, Barefoot Church, but yeah. Hugh was in that that Mizio Mizio Publishing Group, I think is okay. Um, yeah, Hugh was the one that wrote. He wrote a book called Bivocational. It's called Bivo. That okay. was the one that opened my mind up to the idea that pastors could be bivocational and never mm. really crossed. And probably should be. And, and uh, you know, and uh, I would say, um, well, that will be a growing, um, that will become a growing reality, uh, certainly in the years to come. I, l- I love what you said about the, the, the slowing down and knowing people's names and um, spending time in the community. I think that if there's one, there are many gifts, I believe, that COVID has given us, um, although there are many things that, that it certainly has taken away. But one of them is a slowed pace of life, um, the opportunity to, uh, I know families have uh, spent many, many hours eating and, and time, you know, in conversation together that was sorely missing from their lives. Neighbors have gotten to know each other that never, um, you know, they kind of passed coming and going from their houses, but have gotten to know each other. There are so many ways that I think God has invited us into um, that incarnational, intentional presence <laughs> that uh, that that we're meant to be. And um, you know, we've we've certainly been a, a people that have kind of been living at such a past, fast pace that some of those things have been um, missed and neglected. So. I appreciate that. I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, there was a there was a, a Japanese philosopher that Tom Wright in this series references. I can't remember the guy's name, but basically said calls Jesus a three mile an hour God because mm. he he lived at the speed of of a walking pace, oh, and that we good. need to like if the idea of us moving at three miles an hour drives us crazy. That if we're on a bicycle, we're faster than three miles an hour, but that's the pace at which they live life, mm. um, and that. We need to slow down to catch up to God. So good. And it just makes your mind go. Yeah. Because you're right. If you drive through your neighborhood, the difference what you see when you walk through your neighborhood yeah. is it's like two totally different worlds, completely yeah. different. So yeah. Same thing goes for the community around your church or even your church building. <laughs> yes. Even your church building. Yeah. That's good. That's good. And and then for folks that are driving in from long distances that have, you know, completely become disconnected from their community, I think um, that that can't be emphasized enough as well. Yep. Thank you so much, Jacob, for your time. I really, really appreciate it. I can't wait to see what uh, what God does next in your ministry and in the mission that he's got you on there. And I look forward to some more holy mischief with mischief. I can't speak today. Mischief with you in the future. Yeah. Well, just one thing I did want to say is um, know your context, know your people. This isn't popular patience. Um, it's a long obedience in the same direction. It's yes. It's, it's that, whatever you that thing is, that fresh expression, whatever it is, it's literally right underneath your nose. So, and that's for me, that's hard. Cause I'm somebody who would love to really blow things up right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's literally right there with the community that God has you with. So that's good. And you're, you're, thank you for being one of my primetime coaches in this aspect. Oh, you're well, It's a pleasure. Thanks so much. And I will look forward to, to talking with you again. <laughs>